are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here on this Victory Tuesday episode 49ers. A total beatdown of the Cleveland Browns, a dominating performance, 31-3 on Monday Night Football. All of my game notes and takeaways and game balls from that contest on today's show. A quick reminder to subscribe to the show. Uh, tell a friend about Locked On 49ers and all the programs on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On NFL, which is also hosted by yours truly, alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson, taking you around the entire NFL daily and you can find me on twitter at bd peacock email locked on 49ers at gmail locked on 49ers.com let's get into the undefeated san francisco 49ers we know all the fun stuff now like the 49ers are tops in the nfc west the only unbeaten in the nfc one of only two teams in the nfl along with the patriots that are still undefeated Patriots 5-0, 49ers had the bye already, so they are 4-0, obviously. But still some very tough games to go throughout the rest of the season. For right now, riding high off of a huge win and really showing off the strengths in multiple areas of the football team. And I think that's really key for the 49ers is they're good in a lot of places. And so if one thing goes south in one week, like we saw against the Steelers in week three, the defense picked up the slack of the offense that kept turning the ball over. The offense got it right later in the game, and then they went and won the football game. And so that defense really carrying them. That defensive line is absurd. But really, let's actually, we got to start with the first play of the game on offense for the 49ers. And that was, you know what? No, actually, you know what we need to start with is Kyle Juszczyk, who left the game with the injury. Really the only notable injury in that game. Shanahan said after the game that, Juszczyk has a possible knee sprain. It's not an ACL. They'll find out more Tuesday when he has an MRI. And he said that the team probably would have left him in the game if it was a close game. But they took Juszczyk out of the game. Looks like he got hurt because George Kittle blocked a Brown into him. <laughs> because George Kittle's absurd. And he just knocked the guy completely over and into Juszczyk on a Matt Breida run. So bad and good news on Juszczyk. It's a bummer that he's hurt. You hope he doesn't miss a ton of time. But it looks like it's not going to be a really bad long-term injury for use check a potential spring knee we'll find out more tuesday but uh, matt Breida, first play for san francisco the house call set the tone the whole stadium was rocking and it was really one of those it wasn't quite a knockout punch it was more like a standing eight count in the first round but you made the other guys legs rubber and it was something they weren't able to come back from by the way the fastest ball carrier in the last three seasons in the entire NFL, Matt Breida running 22.3 miles per hour on that play. Breida had the fastest play last year as well for a ball carrier, this time actually even faster. 83 yards, nearly untouched. I, th- I think he was completely untouched on that play. Justin School, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, all just opening up a gaping hole for him to run through. And the 49ers running away from Miles Garrett, which I thought would be the case. But what I didn't think would be the case is Miles Garrett was mostly lined up in this game as left defensive end. So he was lined up in front of Mike McGlinchey most of the time. 7-0 there, 49ers really set the tone. And Matt Breda continued to have a great game. 
and actually he was kind of not out there a lot at the end of the game. I think once they got the lead, they kind of let Tevin Coleman run the show and sort of run that thing out, maybe just because he's a bigger back and they wanted to save Brita, but Coleman's coming off the injury too, so I was kind of surprised there. Mostert did get some run as well later in the game, but uh, the second touchdown of the game, also Matt Brita, the Texas route, Booger on the broadcast called it a choice route, so it looked like maybe he had a choice to go to the sort of, you know, a, a Texas route is sort of a slant from a running back where they go around the, the tight end or the tackle and cut back in like a slant kind of, or circle route as it's sometimes known. Uh, Booger called it a choice route. Looked like maybe he had an, an option to go to the outside or cut it back inside, which he did. And the second touchdown of the game there was a pass to Matt Breida. So Breida responsible for the first two scores. Tevin Coleman did get in on the action. A second quarter touchdown. Nice block by Weston Richburg getting out on the move. And Tevin Coleman using that speed and burst to go the rest of the distance to put the 49ers at that point up 21-3. to And this was a crazy stat going into halftime. The 49ers had 14 rushes for 185 yards on the ground in the first half. It was very much like that Week 2 game against Cincinnati where the 49ers didn't really have to do anything else. They did have some fun. Garoppolo was able to throw the ball a little bit, but when you can just get 10 yards per carry, which is what Matt Breida averaged in this game, why do anything else? You don't need to. It's crazy. And then, of course, play action and everything else works so good off of that. But 185 yards on the ground in the first half on only 14 carries, 170 of those 185 were before contact. Those were 170 completely blocked yards where running backs touched nobody. That's insane. So the 49ers ground game obviously working, and that was really all that needed to happen on offense. Jimmy Garoppolo did have you know, a fine game when he was asked to throw the ball. Efficient 20 of 29, 181 yards, and the two touchdowns. On the other side, Baker Mayfield, not great. The 49ers did a number on him. Basically the worst start in his career, 36%. Completion percentage, his first start without a touchdown pass. He got replaced because it was a laugher at the end of that game by quarterback Garrett Gilbert. It was his backup and uh, did not fare well either. Odell Beckham had a better passer rating than Baker Mayfield by a huge margin. <laughs> In fact, that was probably the, the high point of the game for the Browns was their first offensive play, Odell Beckham getting to throw the ball and completing a pass for 20 yards to Jarvis Landry. Baker Mayfield getting picked off a couple of times, once by Sherman on a pressure from Nick Bosa. A second time in the second quarter got picked off by Kwan Williams in the red zone. That wasn't really on Baker. That was a tipped pass from his receiver Antonio Callaway, which was not good in that game and did not help Baker Mayfield out. But pretty amazing the 49ers job they did on Odell Beckham too. Six targets, only the two catches. They tried to hand it to him a couple times. They tried to get Odell Beckham involved, but he was not a huge factor. He just wasn't a problem for the 49ers, which is the most surprising, maybe, and maybe most impressive part of that game, that the job that Emmanuel Mosley did in his first ever start in the NFL, and the fact that they tried to get Odell involved, and still he wasn't a problem for the 49ers, and that was one of the keys to victory. When you laid it out, it was like, Miles Garrett, Odell Beckham, neither one of them was a problem. Miles Garrett had the one sack, and it wasn't against Justin Schools, against Mike McGlinchey. Maybe a failure on the Browns coaching staff for not getting them involved in different ways or better ways or making sure that they were a problem for the 49ers. But uh, I think it was on the Niners that and I think we can stop worrying about Emmanuel Mosley and Justin School, right? I mean, if the test is Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett and the test is Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham 
and you come out looking good, smelling like roses, I think we're fine. We don't have to worry about that anymore, which is kind of crazy. And I think it goes back to what I said at the top. The team is so good that you can mask other deficiencies because you have this monster pass rush and it makes your defensive backfield better and it creates turnovers and it stops the run at the same time as it affects the pass. And you have this cohesive offensive line where you can plug a guy in and everyone still feels comfortable and you could run the hell out of the ball. All those things are huge factors for the 49ers. Okay, some more notes on some more specific players and I'll give out some game balls. This podcast brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. They've been in the business for 25 years, an honest, straightforward company that can help you with all of your tax needs, audit representation, back taxes, unfiled returns. Find out more about Greg's Tax Service at gregstaxservice.com. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head or counting backwards from 10 doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast acting, but don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are great. They will not transfer to your partner, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. And now get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL, one word, LockedOnNFL, for $10 off your first order of Roman Swipes. And free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Whether you're betting on the 49ers, betting on some of the other games around the league, make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I mentioned Emmanuel Mosley and Justin School a little bit in the first segment. I think we should talk about them a little bit more. Emmanuel Mosley, not really even targeted in the first quarter. Uh, they seem to be going after Richard Sherman, which was definitely not a great game plan either because that was not working for the Browns. Really didn't really know what Freddie Kitchens was doing there. Second quarter, the big play for Mosley was that pass breakup in the end zone. Huge play, batting the ball away. Just loved what I saw from Mosley. He was, he was there all game long. They didn't really try him deep until like the third quarter with Odell Beckham, and uh, he was with him. He was in Beckham's hip. Incomplete out of bounds, tight coverage by E-Man. 
using the sideline. Just It was just beautiful. Just great technique. He showed that he was the athlete he needed to be to start at cornerback in this game. The defensive line, I'm sure, helped him out, made things very difficult for Baker Mayfield to find his targets down the field. So uh, definitely a gold star for Emmanuel Mosley in that game. And Justin School, I mentioned how it was mostly Olivier Vernon that he was going up against and not Miles Garrett. And really good, really solid job in the run, in the pass. You know, he's a smart, tough player, and he's playing his butt off, and it hasn't been a problem. Mosley was not a problem. Justin School's not a problem. I would rather have Akella Witherspoon, and I would definitely rather have Joe Staley out there. But the 49ers are going to be okay in the interim while those guys are out, it looks like, which is a huge sigh of relief. And most of that, at least on the defensive side of the ball, has to do with that defensive line, which is what I need to probably spend most of the rest of this segment talking about. Because, first of all, welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the national spotlight Nick Bosa. And the entire defensive line played really well in that game, but it was the coming out party for Nick Bosa. And statistically, it was there. He was pressures. They resulted in sacks. He got home with quarterback hits. He got home with sacks. He should have had three, was credited with two. Uh, Just a fantastic game for Nick Bosa, the number two overall pick in the draft. Looking absolutely worth worth it. If 49ers fans out there were worried about maybe there was a different guy they should have taken, uh, at least for now, they got the best player. Maybe some of these other guys will develop that were drafted behind Nick Bosa. But just from the second drive of the game, Nick Bosa was on fire. After that Breida touchdown, after the first Breida touchdown, Nick Bosa gets a hit on Baker Mayfield. And that errant pass would result in a Richard Sherman interception. Uh, Eric Armstead and D. Ford pressure Mayfield in the first quarter. Buckner gets the hit, uh, knocks the ball out. Bosa would be there to recover that fumble. And just a team play. The entire defensive line swarming on Baker Mayfield all game long. No, Almost nowhere for Nick Chubb to run either. Chubb had one 37-yard run, and that was about it for his production in the game. Uh, all four D linemen getting after the quarterback. Nick Bosa tackled for loss in the second quarter on Nick Chubb, and that was in the red zone, a huge play there. Late second quarter, Bosa lined up a defensive tackle. It was a tackle and stunt there with D. Ford lined up outside. Uh, sir, third sack of the game for San Francisco, and Nick Bosa plants his flag at the end of the first half, which was awesome. I love seeing that. A callback to his college days with that rivalry with Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield, who tried to plant his flag, or did plant his flag when Oklahoma beat Ohio State at Ohio State, planting that OU flag in the middle of the Ohio State. Oh, didn't set well with Ohio State and their fan base, and there was a bunch of people on Twitter that were super excited. Some of them Browns fans were that were probably conflicted, but watching Bosa plant his flag, uh, those Ohio State fans that weren't Browns fans were pretty excited for that move that ended the first half. And he didn't get credit for that sack, I don't think. And I don't know if that's something they can change. But real time, it looked like Baker might have gotten the ball away. So I understand why they called it incomplete pass. But replay showed Baker Mayfield's knee was down. And then the Bosa celebration, just dominating first half by Nick Bosa and the 49ers. Second sack of the half for Bosa. He was a stud in that game. Should have been the second sack for Bosa. Nick Bosa would get his official second sack of that game. It came in the fourth quarter, sacking Baker Mayfield, forced fumble to boot there, recovered by Cleveland, and uh, just really capping off a big night for him. And he had some words 
to say to Baker Mayfield after the game as well. And uh, he it was pretty funny. We'll talk a little bit more about that later because I have a feeling uh, Nick Bosa's name might come up again in this episode. Jimmy Ward back from his injury, getting the start at free safety over Tarvarius Moore. Had a really good game there. Nice job over the top as an eraser. Good angles in the run game. Uh, had that big stuff in the second quarter, stuffing Chubb for no gain in the red zone at the line of scrimmage. Huge play there. So really solid outing from Jimmy Ward. Kind of had a feeling I talked about it that I thought, you know, if Ward comes back, he's going to start. And I think uh, Robert Saad, he was talking about it during the week, and he doesn't hide his affection for Jimmy Ward. Calls him one of his best 11. It's pretty obvious that Ward was going to get the start, and if it was going to be Mosley at corner, then Ward was going to be the guy at free safety. And if it was more at free safety, then Ward would be the guy at corner. But Ward hasn't practiced at corner all year long and all offseason long. So Ward at free safety made sense, and he played really well, and he stayed healthy. Ended the game not on the injury report, which is great. So hopefully that continues going forward and they keep that continuity in the back end because Jimmy Ward is fast and he's physical and he played a good game against the Browns Monday night. George Kittle, his usual badass self, blocking the heck out of people, had the touchdown catch, his first touchdown reception of the year, but right before, by the way, it was nice. I like the seam route. I like seeing uh, more calls dialed up for George Kittle to get him down the field a little bit. So I love that seam route and Jimmy Garoppolo making a nice throw there uh, into the end zone. First touchdown of the year for Kittle. That gave the 49ers a 28-3 lead at that point in the third quarter. But what I liked even more, or at least as much, I think it was one or two plays before that touchdown. It was a pass to, I believe, Matt Breida? To one of the running backs out of the backfield, but... George Kittle was in pass protection by himself one-on-one with Miles Garrett and handling his business. So that just goes to show you what kind of complete player George Kittle is. He's a really good run blocker. He will give you everything as a pass blocker. And obviously his biggest value is as a pass catcher. You saw him catch a little tight end, end around, took it for 17 yards. He's a good runner after the catch, man. He'll run through you. He will scratch and claw for every single yard he can get. Saw him do that numerous times, catch a ball short of the sticks, and then uh, plow through and over and around guys to get the first down. So fantastic game by George Kittle. He is the highest graded tight end, in the, the highest graded player, I believe, in the NFL right now, according to Pro Football Focus, which tells you something. He is really good, run, pass, whatever you ask him to do. George Kittle playing at a super high level right now for the 49ers. Debo Samuel did not get the start at wide receiver. It was... Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, just as it was in week three. Debo had the drop on a slant route on the 49ers' second drive. It was a third down play. You don't like seeing that. A really bad drop by Dante Pettis as well later in the game. A play that could have been a touchdown. I think he was looking for where he wanted to run after the catch on that. Took his eyes off the ball. Bad drop. You don't like to see that. That battle just continues to be uh, one that neither guy will completely take over. Debo had a couple of nice plays where he had a little run after catch. I love the way he runs, and he runs angry. Runs like a running back when he gets the ball in his hands. I would still like to see more of Debo. I don't like seeing him getting yanked in and out of the lineup that much, but it seems like Kyle Shanahan really wants Dante Pettis to be that guy. Wants him to be the guy and win that job, and just not quite seen it with them, and it ended up being, in this one, Marquise Goodwin getting uh, the, the better of it as far as the wide receivers go. He was targeted four times. He had three catches for 41 yards. Kendrick Bourne had a couple of receptions for 24 yards. 
Debo had the one catch for three yards, also had, uh, I believe he had one carry too, did he not? Did he only have the one catch? It looks like he only had one catch. I thought I remember him having the ball a couple of times. Maybe I'm missing something there. Uh, and Dante Pettis had one catch as well. So not huge factors in the passing game for the wide receivers. Of course, George Kittle led the 49ers in targets at eight and catches with six and yards with 70. Plus, he had that 22-yard touchdown reception. And there's something to it. When people talk about the 49ers trading for a wide receiver, and even if you think the 49ers should trade for a veteran wide receiver, say, let's just put the name A.J. Green out there because the Bengals are obviously 0-5, not going anywhere. He's in the last year of his contract. That would make some sense for both teams. I could see how you could make that argument. And it's not even saying anything about Debo Samuel or Dante Pettis long-term if you say you think the 49ers should trade for A.J. Green. And I'm not arguing either way for it. But what I'm saying is it makes sense because... Obviously, they're not ready to take over and be that target hog beast of a wide receiver on the outside. And if the 49ers think they're a playoff contender, where they should be thinking that, judging by what we saw on Monday Night Football, and that they want to go all the way, and they want to make noise, and they want to compete for a Super Bowl this year, they might need that monster on the outside. And there's still, we're only four weeks or four games into this thing, still a quarter into the season, still three quarters of this thing to go, one of those guys might jump out. Might be Debo, might be Dante Pettis, might be both of them. They could become monsters, but I can see the argument and I can see the logic of bringing in someone who is a veteran wide receiver that could be that guy, your target hog on the outside for the next 10, 12 weeks and into the playoffs potentially while you still develop the other guys and still have really high hopes and high expectations for Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis. And now it's time to give out some game balls. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Do you want to be free and put these tax problems behind you? Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping their clients resolve their tax issues and to get them all the deductions and credits they're entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871. Call or text to set up an appointment. And if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Find them online at gregstaxservice.com. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. 
For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. It's always a lot easier to give out game balls after a win, and so it's been four pretty easy, rapid react podcasts here for a four and O season. Uh, one quick note before I give out those game balls, I do want to talk special teams for just just a second because that was an interesting one in this game. And if this was a close game, the one for four on field goals for Robbie Gold, which weren't all on him but at one point was 0 for 3 until he did finally hit that fourth field goal, that could really haunt the 49ers in a close game. First, two missed field goals in the first half for gold. The first one was a straight miss. It was wide right. Ball looked good off the foot, definitely sort of sliced on him and just sort of took off and went wide right. It's like, you know, you're going to miss one of those occasionally. Robbie Gold's a great kicker. I'm not worried there. The second was the thing that worries me a little bit. Bad snap, bad hold combo. That was wide left, never looked good from the start. But you have to wonder why the 49ers moved on from Colin Holba, who, to the layperson, did nothing to deserve getting released. Looked fine. There was never any long snap problems that I saw. They brought in John Kondo, a longtime long snapper. He bailed on the team after deciding his heart wasn't in it. 49ers didn't want to go back to Holba for whatever reason. So now they're on to their third long snapper this year, Garrison Sanborn, who... I don't know if it's, you know, just a struggle, if, if he's not that good. I, I, I'm i not the guy to scout long snappers. I have no idea what's going on there, but it's something you can't be messing around with. And so it seems really strange to me for the 49ers to be bouncing around between long snappers at this point in the season. Now, the good news is that Kyle Nelson's still out there, suspended 10 weeks for a PD, PED thing, uh, some banned substance, some confusion, of course, like it is for every player that gets banned for whatever. Uh, but he's been hit before, obviously, or wouldn't have a 10-week suspension right now. So he's out for 10 weeks, so he'll be back at some point. But do you go back to Holba? Do you try to figure things out with Garrison Sanborn? Was it just a, a one-time deal? And then the third attempt was blocked. That might look like it might have been on Eric Armstead. But was you know something a little bit slow about the whole snap-hold-kick situation, too? I don't know. But you gotta, you can't have that. You can't be going... One for four in field goal attempts. So that's not a good thing. There was it was nearly a perfect game. Special teams might not have been the thing that was that was perfect in that one. Let's move on to a quick one here. Kyle Shanahan versus Freddie Kitchens. I was thinking about giving Kyle Shanahan a game ball because he so clearly outcoached Freddie Kitchens in this game to me. I uh, just want to give him a little props here. Uh, he's not gonna get a game ball. And I don't care if Kyle Shanahan was wearing a hat that looked like uh, the Mario Brothers, the Mario hat. It was just <laughs> something was really off with that hat. Some people agreed with me on Twitter when I sent that out. 
Some people love the hat and want to know where they can find one. More power to you. I think part of it is that he's a skinny dude and that hat was massive. And that's why it looked really funny to me. And when you match a massive red hat that just sticks out like a sore thumb with a tiny little black 49ers logo that was square for some reason, that yeah, it wouldn't even look like you wouldn't even be able to tell it's a 49ers hat from across the street because you can't see the logo. Just very strange. Strange hat. Was not a fan of that look. And even with the small logo hat he had last year in primetime, I liked it. The all-black hat with the small red logo, you could tell it's a 49ers logo. More of a sleek look. Go back to that one, Shani. I, did, I was not a fan of the big, weird, red Mario hat. But hey, if you're going to be calling games like that, wear whatever hat you want. Game balls. Game ball number one goes to you, the 49ers faithful, especially those at Levi's Stadium. Maybe the loudest that place has ever been from my... I wasn't at the stadium, but... From my vantage point on the broadcast, super loud. They came as correct as they should have been, and it was a similar vibe in week three. And I think these first two home games this year, they have been a true home field advantage for the 49ers, and it hasn't been the case. And a lot of that has to do with the 49ers record. I was on with Mark Willard after the game late Monday night on KMBR. He was a little bit annoyed even that, you know, John Lynch, and they're trying to tell people, what time to show up and, and how to act and what to say and and to be loud. And Mark Willard's argument, which I kind of agree with, is all you need to do is be 4-0. That gets people in the seats. That gets them there early. That gets them pumped. That gets them amped up. And I think we're seeing that. So uh, awesome to see Levi Stadium be a home field advantage and super loud for some 49ers home games. Game ball, Nick Bosa. Two sacks, should be three. One forced fumble, one fumble recovery. One planted flag, Bosa just a monster, uh, pressures for days, getting to the quarterback now that he's 100% healthy. I love the focus that he has uh, working in that bye week to to finish those sacks instead of just pressure and beat the man right in front of him. And then after the game, a little bit of savage quote from Nick Bosa talking about Baker Mayfield said he was sort of chatting at him during the game, Baker, Baker. And he's like, come on, man, we need a challenge. And I guess Baker Mayfield wasn't really talking back to him much. And, of course, he planted the flag on him after that one sack, or should have been sack. And then he also said, I don't know how anybody thought Baker Mayfield would be able to see over Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. <laughs> but he was panicking. He was double-clutching, rolling back and forth. We had him rattled all game, end quote. So Bosa throws in a little short joke, too, at Baker Mayfield after the game. So I love that, Nick Bosa earned every right to talk smack because he dominated that football game. I had written down early in the game in the first half, Matt Breida in my game balls notes section, but I think I have to amend the Matt Breida to just the straight up offensive line. And maybe just, it's kind of like the, just the running game needs the game ball, right? Because you can't single out the running backs alone, even though Breida was great. But then when you see Mostert get in there and do his thing, and, of course, Tevin Coleman had some really good runs, and he had some nice holes to run through. The nice touchdown run, 6.9 yards per carry as a team. It's just so good. And then Kyle Juszczyk was part of that, so you can't just say it was all on the offensive line. George Kittle, Levine Toy Lolo, everybody was involved in that 49ers running game. So I think the game ball just has to go to the running game. All those guys are a factor. Juszczyk is a huge factor in that. Obviously, the offensive line is a massive factor, and I've given game balls to the offensive line before. Matt Breida, I love Matt Breida. He's the best running back on the 49ers. Seeing him hit that opening run was just massive. Such a 
such a huge blow to the Browns to start that game. So 49ers running game, and Shanahan is really part of this too, right? That's where it stems from. 49ers running game gets my third and final game ball in this one. That's it for me today. Be back tomorrow. We're going to start crossing things over, looking ahead to the Rams, because now the 49ers had a short week after that big layoff that seemed like it was two months long between game number three and game number four for the 49ers. But we will continue to look back and break this game down Thursday with Nick. Friday, we'll probably let's do a fan Friday and get some mailbag involved maybe Friday as well as with Nick Thursday, just because we weren't able to do the normal Tuesday bag on today's show because it is a Victory Tuesday Rapid React podcast. Be back tomorrow with Brad Motter of Locked On Rams. Talk to you then right here, Locked On 49ers.